right, good morning, Crossroads Ministries. I hope that everyone had a great week. Um, I, I happened to um, have a little injury last week. I actually sprained my ankle, so I'm wearing some uh, some hardware. So um, I won't be doing any of the break dancing that I did last week. Uh, if you weren't here last week, I'm sorry you missed it. It was great. Uh, if you're on the turn, would you please stand as we worship here this morning? And thank you again for joining us online, of course. Sometimes I wonder, is he faithful? Does he see me in my trouble? Does he understand? Sometimes I question, is he able? Can he rescue? Can he save me again and again? When I look back, did he move every mountain? Those voices try to tell me I've forgotten and I've fallen too far from His hand. But I know what kind of God He is, and I'm trusting in His promises. I'm believing and I'm singing, Yes, He can. morning for that song of praise. Please turn to your neighbor and say hello to someone here this morning. It's great to see you all here.
mention of your name, King of Majesty. There is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power. Welcome, everybody. Have a seat. Amen, amen. I'm glad you're all with us today, and we're just here to celebrate Jesus. Amen. We're here to lift his name up, and we're here to proclaim the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way. And so if you're joining us online, welcome. If you're here in the building uh, and you are our guest uh, here, please stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you, and we'd love to connect with you. Please stop by the Welcome Center. Any of our guests in the house, any of our guests online, uh, we'd love to connect with you online as well. Just drop us a note in the comments, and we'd love to connect with you. Um, Listen, church, those blue connect cards in front of you, if there's anything we can be praying for you about, if there's anything you'd like to celebrate that you you just want to say, hey, I want to tell you what God is doing in my life, um, we'd love to celebrate God with you. If, if there's a question about maybe a next step, maybe I want to serve, or I'd love to know more about, you know, I, I want to grow in my faith. What, you know, what, what's what's available? Just reach out to us. Use those cards, and then put, uh, write anything down um, on there, and then put your contact information on there, and we'll follow up with you this week. Um, we we count it a privilege to be able to serve you in that way. As you leave, you can put those connect cards in the offering box here. There's one in the auditorium. There's one in the foyer as you leave. Uh, but please uh, use those connect cards. And, and listen, um, church, the 21 days of prayer, God has done something in us. He has done, th- done something around us, and he's doing things that are, that are we're, just, we're seeing miracles. And so we would love to hear about those stories. So if you go on our website, uh, crsmin.com, and right on the front page, there's a little uh, card you can click on, a little page you can click on, and you can, you can send us these stories of what God has done in you or around you, uh, things that you've been praying for, uh, things that, you know, I, I'm seeing God do something in my life about people that I've been praying for, and God is just is doing miracles, and we would love to hear about this. Um, and so please use that, or you can write it on the Connect card, uh, or you can just reach out to us, grab us afterwards. We would love to hear these stories um, and just, just celebrate all that God is doing in us and around us uh, as we've been seeking Him for 21 days, and we continue to seek Him every day. God is good. Amen. He's doing something in this church, isn't he? He's doing something in your life. And so thanks be to God 
Thank you, God, for doing what you're doing in our life. We're thankful we can be a part of that. Uh, listen, I have a few uh, things just to keep you uh, on the, on uh, on par of what's happening here at church. Uh, one of the things is our Ecuador meeting. Uh, there's an Ecuador meeting uh, today uh, at 12:15, right after the second service in room 207. So past the restrooms on the, the last door on your left, um, and you can uh, jump into that meeting. That's at 12:15. All things Ecuador. Abbott Ecuador meeting 12:15. And uh, I also um, want to say, if you did not grab uh, the 21 Courageous Prayers book, we do have more, as well as the Identity in Christ and Peace and Anxiety, uh, just scripture passages. Uh, grab one of those on the little keychain and um, grab those, put those, uh, you know, bring those with you, you know, uh, commit those to memory. And just God's going to continue to just show himself and reveal himself as we take his word and we memorize it and we wear it around our hearts and we take it with us wherever we go. So those are available in the foyer as you leave. Church, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Um, you can give online through the mail or using the offering boxes uh, in the bulletin. You can actually scan the QR code and you can give online. There's all kinds of ways. But thank you for your faithfulness in giving unto the Lord and worshiping him with your finances. God has been good to us and we want to worship him with what he has given us and be thankful. Um, but would, would, you stand with, uh, would you stand with me as we continue on this morning and just ask God to move? and to encourage our hearts and open up our eyes and open up our ears as we open up the word uh, here in a minute. Lord, we love you. We thank you, uh, Lord, for uh, just for being here with us. God, we thank you for changing our lives, that there is, uh, Lord, that we think about the condemnation that we deserve because of our sin and thankful that because of Christ, uh, Lord, that we, uh, that we have, there's grace, that there is forgiveness of sins. Uh, that that when you we when we when we ask you for forgiveness, that you are faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins. That is who you are, God. We love you so much. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to the cross and defeating death on the cross. Three days later, rising again, and He is alive and well and reigning at the right hand of you, God. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And, Lord, open up our eyes and open up our ears as we read your word, the Bible here in a minute, God, and as we grow and walk with you and just take this community and take this world by storm with the message of the gospel. We love you, Jesus. Ask all things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. the power to raise the dead and who can save us from our sin he is our hope our righteousness Jesus only Jesus and who can make the blind to see who holds the keys that set us free? He paid it all to bring us peace. Jesus, only
before we jump into our message this morning, just want to remember a few of our people in prayer this morning. One of them is Dave Askin. I know I've asked you to pray for him many times throughout the last month. He's basically been in the hospital since um, December the 20th, where he underwent a liver. They had to cut his liver in half. He had cancer, so they cut the liver in half, hoping for it to regenerate like it normally does. And the doctor said they've never seen one not. Well, his did not because he had some damage from the chemo that was treating the, uh, the cancer. So he's been waiting for a liver transplant, and there is one tomorrow lined up by a family member that will give half of their liver to him. And so they're going to transplant, transplant half of their liver. So let, we thank God for that. I'm going to ask you to pray for that. That's at 5 a.m. tomorrow that, uh, that he'll be undergoing that. You know, I was just thinking our own Chester Knoll went through a kidney transplant. It wasn't long ago I was asking you to pray for him as, as they had called him, and he come in and had a kidney transplant. And, and Chester Knoll is doing really well. He's back to work, and, and he is functioning as normal. So we can thank God for that too. Amen? God is so good. Uh, just a few other ones that, uh, just one other I'd like to mention. Many of you know that Glenn Moss, Glenn has been around our church for many years, and Glenn Moss had a, a stroke here right before Christmas. And uh, I got to visit him also this week, and he is doing really well. He's, uh, he's progressing, and so he's, uh, he's at the point now where he can begin to walk. They want him to walk more without his cane. So this is a big deal for, uh, for these folks. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll lift these folks up before the Lord. Father God, we come before you, Lord. Just uh, before we jump into your word, Lord, just with these few family items here. God, we have so many needs in our church. There's so many that... Uh, that, that that are calling on you even now as we speak, Lord. They're dealing with pain. They're dealing with crisis. Some are dealing with financial problems, with relational problems, with all sorts of things, Lord. And so we lay them all at your feet today. But, God, we think especially of Dave Askin, Lord, uh, having a liver uh, failure like this has just been so overwhelming and caught him off by off guard, off by surprise, Lord. But, Lord, your power is never surprised, and your hand will be upon him tomorrow. So I just ask, Lord... That you help us as a church to rally around the Eskin family, how that we can pray for them, encourage them, and uh, bless them along the journey, Lord. So we just ask for safety as, uh, for both the donor and for him as this transplant happens tomorrow. What an incredible gift of love from a family member to make such a, uh, such a sacrifice for Dave. God, we thank you for Chester Newell, how he's doing well with his kidney transplant how that he's back to work and all things are moving forward for Chester, Lord. We thank you for the Knoll family. I pray you'll continue to put your hand upon Chester as, uh, as he continues to heal and grow uh, and, and just continue to serve you, Lord. We think also of Glenn Moss, Lord, uh, recovering from a stroke after such a, a heavy stroke, Lord, right before the holidays. And, uh, God, we thank you for the progress that we're seeing on, in him. So, God, we, we just lift up these few men that we just mentioned, plus all the, all the church family, Lord, so many things that are happening, so many ailments, so many issues, and we just pause and we, we say thank you, Lord, for you are God. You are Jesus, only Jesus. You are the name above all names, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So God, we, we submit to you our problems, we submit to you our pain, and uh, in the midst of your greatness and grandeur. These uh, problems become very small because you are God. So we give them to you. In your name we pray. Amen. We're talking about habits, and as we've been going along with habits, 
I've been giving you a, uh, an acrostic here, and these are habits that will absolutely change your life. If you plug in these habits into your life, and remember, a habit is just something small that you do, and you do it over and over. You do it regularly. You do it, do it on a regular basis. A small, good habit makes a big, good change in your life. And as you've watched the dominoes fall over every week, right? You've watched those dominoes fall. Remember the first week we talked about how that, that domino can knock over uh, mathematically one and a half times its size. So I want you to think about the habits that you're putting into your life, how that you can knock over something bigger just by doing something small every day and watch how that will exponentially work in your life. So the acrostic we've been going through is habits. Have time with God is the very first one. Hang out in the presence of Christ. We've given you the 21 days of prayer. You've taken the 21 days of prayer. You have bit into it. God is moving and doing some powerful things in your life. I'm getting lots of great feedback right now, what God is doing and how that he's moving in people's life and just some miracles are happening. Listen, when somebody turns to God, that's a miracle. And these are the greatest miracles that are happening in our church right now. So I'm hearing some, some really exciting things of what God has done. Uh, one of them was a, a young man wrote in and said he wasn't really asking God. He wasn't going through the 21 days of prayer asking God for anything. He was really looking for Jesus. And then his next sentence says, I have found him. Can we thank God? This is exciting, folks. That's what God is doing. This is what he's moving. And so, so when, when, we, when we lead people to Jesus and they begin to drink of the living water, that's what happens. And so God is, God is doing this. And so I want to encourage you. We have some more tools out there to help you. There's a, there's a blank journal. You'll notice it says a prayer journal out there. You can take the prayer journal and it just has a, a, point, a, a space in there for every day for you to journal prayers along the acts. A, a, a is adoration. Uh, C is confession. Confess to God, which I never write that down. I just say, God, thank you for forgiveness every day, right? So you write, uh, jot down in there. A, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, all right? What am I thankful for? And then supplication is a fancy Bible way to say praying for other people, okay? So, but it fits in acrostics really well. So, but I, I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to pick that up and use those. There's the Bible memory verses are out there. Take those and use those. God is using them. So we went through the hangout in the presence of Christ. And like I said, if you get nothing else out of the series, get that. That's the number one. Accountability with another believer. You're uh, following through and you're, you, you become accountable. Being here this morning is accountable. This is where you belong. Man, this is, this is my family. This is where, where, I, where I hang out. Getting involved in a smaller group. When you get involved in a smaller group, it's even, even more accountable, right? People notice when you're not there, right? So it's a smaller group all the way down to, hey, who are you hanging out with? Pray that God will give you that person. So that person will go to breakfast with you and hang out and just talk with you and encourage you. I've got a few guys, and uh, it's, it's a growing group of guys, and we're just hanging out. We're just talking. We, we go to breakfast. and. Just that healthy accountability is so good. Um, involved in serving. That was last week. I'm sorry. Bible memorization. I can't even spell, right? H-A-B. Well, you know I can't spell. You've seen some of my errors many times, right? Bible memorization. So jumping in and getting the word, putting in it, hiding in your heart that you may not sin against God, right? And then we looked at involved in serving was the, the uh, last week. We looked at how to be involved in serving. And then today is, uh, is this word, T, the letter T, and we're going to place in there tithing. Now, this is an interesting word because whenever, uh, whenever I bring this up, 
Typically, if you've been in church, you go, oh, he's going to talk about money. So let me say it like this. This is the one I'm least excited to talk about. But I'm most excited for what God will transform in your heart when you understand it. There are so many things about the Bible that, that I get to teach. And every, every word in the Bible is important. Every word is valuable. So as we get to teach this, I want you to catch this. Because as you get this, if you are here for your first time or second time, please, please don't think that the church is about money. The church is not about money. Say that with me. The church is not about money. Say it again. The church is not about money. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them that. The church is not about money. Okay? All right, so please, at the end of my message, don't go say the church is about money, because it's not about money. I just said that very clear up front, right? The church is not about money. Um, however, I want you to catch this. God talked, Jesus talked a lot about money, though. As a matter of fact, he talked about money, and he used more illustrations about money than he did about heaven or hell. Ooh, okay, so this means there's something important here. Like God is doing something important. He's moving, and there's something about money that I've got to catch because this attachment to this money. Uh, so what, what is this tithing? You know, if, uh, if we were to look at tithing, I would give you this definition of tithing. Tithing is giving to God and trusting God with your finances. That's it. It's very simple. So... As we go through this, I want, to, I want to remind you that the world thinks that money is very big, right? Money, the, the world thinks that money is like end all. As a matter of fact, you know it because whenever you hear about the Powerball climbing up, right? You hear people start talking about it. And I'll hear people stand in line. I stood in line for an hour to get that ticket. Well, I'm glad I didn't because I don't know anybody that's ever won that, right? And so it's like, wow, we, we have this drive for money. And people will stand in line for money. But if I put up a, a booth outside, outside in downtown Pittsburgh and said, free word from God, would I have a line an hour long? I might not even have two people stop. See, money is, is a value in our culture that's driving us. And so it's, got, it's, it's, out, it's an, out of or, an out of order set up. So this word from the Lord, man, that's, we have the word from the Lord. It's called the Bible. We have his word. It's right here. So today we're going to look in here. We're going to see where, where does Jesus actually say about money? What does the Bible talk about money in general? And so money is a, is a big deal, but it's a bigger deal to our heart. And so as we look at this here, I'm going to take you back to the origin of tithing. Go back to Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And this says here, and all of the tithe of the land... So the word tithe, there is a Hebrew word. It means one-tenth, to give of one-tenth. That's what it means, all right? So, and all of the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So he says that this tithe, what we give to the Lord, it's holy unto him. It belongs to the Lord. This was an agricultural society. So the, the 10%, and so he, he's given you this, he says, I want you to give 10% back to the Lord. Um, Leviticus 27.30 says one-tenth. Uh, I'm going to give it to you from the NLT. That's the New Living Translation. They took the word tithe out, and they put in, so you can understand it a little bit better, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the field or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy unto him. 
So the top 10, he says, take the 10% and set it aside as unto the Lord. So here we see this basic idea. It was a group of people. They were wandering in the wilderness. As they're wandering in the wilderness, God moves them from place to place. They have the things that they earn. Out of the things that they earn, they now come and they give God 10%. That's what he asked them to do. Um, Bring 1% to the Lord. Today, we're not an agricultural society. We have money instead, and so we're working with this thing called money. The Old Testament, they gave even more than that. I want you to catch this, because when we think of 10%, I'm going to share with you what, what they did in the Old Testament and that I would never ask you to do, okay? So, first of all, they had one tithe, and then they had a second tithe. Tithe meaning 10. You do the math. What does 10 plus 10 equal? Wow, you didn't need to pull out your phone for that? Equals 20. Charles Ryrie notes in, in his notes in the study Bible, he says there was a second and a third tithe. And he puts them all into one. And he says that the, uh, there was a festival tithe that, brought, it brought, uh, that they would bring to Jerusalem for the Lord's feast over in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 14.22 helps us understand why the tithe. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all of your crops that you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place that the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. So tithing teaches us to always put God first. That's what tithing is all about. It's about, he says, that this teaches you to fear the Lord your God. And so when you do it, it's something that you say, okay, I give to the Lord, and I'm trusting God that I can live on the 90% while God has asked me to give the 10%. And so as you give this unto the Lord, you say, okay, God, I'm now submitting to your power, to your will, to your authority. And as you give to the Lord... He says he, it's a tangible way that he can see that you're doing it. And the other thing is it's a tangible way that you can see that you're doing it. You give this unto the Lord. You say, okay, God, I'm drawing the line in the sand. I trust you. There was a third tithe. And this third tithe was collected every three years in the Old Testament. And so most scholars believe that, they, that in the Old Testament they gave 20 to 25%. Plus, they would have optional offerings, kind of like we have the birthday gift of Jesus, right? Which, by the way, I asked Alicia Peterson where are we at. We we had received by the end of January $134,000 to go out to the missionaries. Let's thank God, man. This is exciting, right? Uh, the the 100,000 went out right away, and now the extra 34 that will all go out. It's all going to the missionaries, and so that will all go out here in the next week or so. Thanks be to God what he has done because, because of what God has done in the hearts of the people. And God, as you have given to the Lord, we're able to do this. Over in Exodus 25, the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the, uh, receive the offering for me uh, from each man whose heart prompts him to give. So as each person is prompted to give, they gave more. So, I mean, like they were already given 25% under these laws. Like they had to give this 20 to 25%. And then they come and they give more on top of that because as, as God prompted their hearts. 
There was one instance where he's raising, uh, you know, for the tabernacle, he's raising, raising the, the funds and their gold. They're bringing all these different things. And he says, hey, don't bring any more. We've had too much giving. Like, I don't know if I've ever heard that in our modern era, right? Hey, we've got too much, right? Don't bring any more. And so this is what happened. It was out of the abundance of their heart. It's a, the overflow of the heart. So, so grace uh, giving is, is about the heart overflowing. We see that as the giving. And I want to remind you that the, the greatest verse in all the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. So God showed his love by giving his only son. And so it has been said that you can't love without giving. And so when you come and you give to the Lord, uh, in the New Testament now, we come into the New Testament, you don't see tithes mentioned a whole lot. You see that Jesus encouraged people that day to tithe, but he didn't, uh, it wasn't like this mandate because we're no longer under the law. So thanks be to God, we're not under the law. Hey, give 25 plus percent, right? Thanks be to God, right? This, the law is not there anymore. But the principle is there. The principle of this tithing is there. And today we call it grace giving. It doesn't fit into, an, into a habit acrostic too well. Hab I G, right? So it's habits, right? So, so grace giving is more about your heart than your money. Catch this. God doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. Now remember that. But he, Jesus also said where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if you're going to give him your heart, the, the treasure follows it. And so he says grace giving is more about your heart than it is your money. Um, Deuteronomy 8.18, 8, I'm going to go back to the Old Testament again. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It is not wrong to produce wealth. Money is not the problem. Because every one of us are going to work tomorrow. Every one of you will produce some sort of wealth tomorrow. And you will work. Remember, it's the Lord your God who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So he's talking to the children of Israel there. So there's nothing wrong with prospering as long as we understand the perspective that God is in charge. And, and I'm, I'm, letting, I'm, I'm serving God. I'm not letting the money. I'm not serving the money. I just keep the right perspective. And, and remember this perspective. Over in Romans 11.36, scriptures tell us that everything comes from him, from Jesus, and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. So everything exists. In other words, it all comes from God. Everything that you have. And what I've, what I've written in my notes is this. is What you think you own is really on loan from God. What you think you own is really on loan from God. Now you understand that because, you know, most of you are paying a monthly payment for your car or for your house, right? So you understand. You don't really own it, but you do own it, right? You, what you have is on loan from God. God's called us to be faithful stewards. It means to manage it. I'm not the owner. I'm the manager. So I get to manage God's resources. 
So when God gives me the resources, he wants me to manage it. And by the way, he doesn't just want me to manage the top 10%. He wants me to manage all of it, 100% of what he's given me. So that means how wise do I spend my money? Uh, do I spend it foolishly? Do I go out and run up bills? I mean, how are you spending your money? God's concerned about all of it because it comes down to the heart. It's not mine. God gave me the ability to produce the wealth. I go out, but God's the one. it's all from his hand. It's all from his glory. And so as I watch this, everything comes from his hand and, and exists by the power and is intended for his glory. Every good and perfect gift, the scripture also tells us, comes from the hand of the Lord. So, I'm going to look here this morning at a few myths and a few truths about money. Because when you think of money, there's a lot of things that come to your mind. Myth number one is that money is the most important thing. When you're thinking about your life, when you're thinking about your career, you're thinking about everything, we all think about money. Do we not? I mean, it, it happens a lot. Money is a big part of our life. And I will say that it's important, but it's not the most important. The truth is that loving God is the most important thing about life. When, uh, when Jesus was teaching, and, and he got up in Luke chapter 16, we see, he's teaching, and he's teaching a little bit about money here. He says that no servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one, and the other one he will love. Or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Then he wraps up this area on money, and he says... You cannot serve God and money. Now, what he does not say here is that you cannot have both. God has blessed many believers with wealth. He says that you cannot be a servant to the money. Either God calls the shot or the dollars call the shot. And many times we will make decisions based upon the dollars. Many times we will make decisions and we'll say, hey, you know, um, I, I'm going to put money first in my life. So therefore, I'm going to make decisions that will be harmful for my integrity, harmful for my family, harmful for many things because I'm driving after that dollar. But when you understand that you're serving God first and you say, okay, money has its place and so money can be down here, but God is number one. So I place God at the very top. And that's what he says here. You cannot serve both God and money. Money has the power to take God's place in your life. And God, the very first commandment was, there shall be no, you shall have no other gods before me. So this is so powerful. So how can you tell if you're a slave to money? How can you know? Like, uh, you know, hey, you can't serve God money. How can I know if I'm a slave to money? Well, let me give you a few questions that you can ask yourself. And if you say yes to any of, the, any of these ideas, well, you know, we all have a degree that we've got to struggle with this, right? Because we're all struggling with it. Because money, well, it's money. Uh, money is not moral. I can put money here, and it is not holy, and it is not evil. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But money in itself, if I lay a stack of 50s here, is not evil. Now, you can come up and take them, right? They'll be gone. That's why we're not doing that, because they'll be gone, right? But I want you to catch this. Money is not evil. So, so... It's when we serve, let money serve us, we become a slave to money. So here, here's, here's a few questions. Do you worry about money? You're like, well, I just thought of that one. Listen, do you worry about money? I think uh, from time to time we all worry about money, and we become a little bit of a slave to it at that point. Um, do you give up doing what you should do or like to do in order to make more money? 
Do you spend a lot of your day dreaming about possessions? Oh, you're thinking about that, that house in the Bahamas, right? Are you most happy? I meant Shalloway, not the Bahamas, right? Are you most happy after you buy something? You know, you go out and buy it, like, oh, that just made me feel so good. Man, when I go out to buy something, I feel terrible because I can't walk in the store to get it. My knees are hurting so bad, right? Listen, are, are you most happy after you buy something? And that, that can happen. You go out and you buy Oh, man. And let me tell you, after you buy it, there's, there's a process, and eventually you're like, oh, okay, it came down. Uh, is, is it hard to give something away? Is, is it hard to let go of? Is generosity an issue? You're out at the restaurant, and you're pulling up the calculator. You know, you got the tip. And I've told you this before about, you know, here we are. We're tipping. You're outside, and you're, you go down to the, gro- to the grocery store, to the, to the restaurant, and the lady hands you your check. And then you, you, you pull it out, you know. We used to pull out the calculator. Okay, I want to make sure I gave enough. And it's like, okay, if you give 20%, that would be $6.42. Then I leave a 10, and you, you have this discussion in your family over $4, right? And, and, and so what we're doing is we're learning. We're growing to break this. It's like, okay, cry, crying out loud, the girl makes $2 an hour. Give her a $10 bill. And so it, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you're not a slave to this. Um, if you answered yes to some of those, like we all do, and I think from time to time I'd probably answer yes to some of those. And so from time to time, we become a slave to the wrong thing. We've got to become God is our, mo- our master, not the money. He continues on the next verse here. Look what happens here. Uh, after he says that, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and ridiculed him. They laughed at him. What are you talking about? They, I mean, they scorned him. They were all about the money, all about the money. Well, another myth is that money gives me happiness. Money gives me happiness. One of the uh, f- one famous actor, Jim Carrey, you remember him from The Mask and all those crazy movies he made? He said this. This is a public statement of his. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Now, I don't think Jim Carrey is a following, following Jesus. But I think Jim Carrey has found that that stuff that he thought filled his heart doesn't fill his heart. The truth is, money doesn't make you happy. And so I'm going to give you a few of these truths here. If you go over to 1 Timothy 6 here, we're going to walk through this. First of all, money won't make you happy. I think it has temporary, but it doesn't make lasting happiness. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul is giving to young Timothy. And there were these preachers of the day that wanted to preach, and they were preaching for money. He says, don't you be like that. And he gives him a little lesson on money that I think is so valuable for all of us. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, money won't make you happy, but godliness will. With contentment, being content with what I have. Listen, it doesn't mean that I don't make more. It means that what I have today, I'm very content with the provision of God. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, another truth is that money doesn't last. Paul's telling him this. Money doesn't last. Well, I think we've all found that to be true, haven't we? You know, you get $1,000 and, whoo, that went fast. You just bought a couple dozen eggs and it was gone, you know. Um, it's gone, right? Truth, the truth is that it doesn't make you happy. Uh, it doesn't last. 
Look there at 1 Timothy 6, 7. He said, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Man, for the 80, 90 years that I'm here, or 95, my buddy Joy down front turned 95 this year. 96, 96, give her a hand, man, 96. She's my buddy down there. When did you turn 96? In a month. Well, we're going to have a party. You make sure you're here that day, and it better not be snowing. 96 in another month, man. Holy cow. So for the 120 years that you'll be here, God has called you to manage what he's given you, right? Listen, she's my buddy. I want. Can I have an ounce of your blood? Just one ounce. Let it reproduce, right? Um, truth is that money doesn't last. Uh, we brought nothing into this world, and we can't take nothing out of it. You're here for a short season on earth. You get to manage something that's not yours. This next picture, I've never seen anything like this. Have you? I do 30. Now, obviously, that's not for a processional. That's for uh, somebody probably privately bought that and is hauling their junk somewhere. Um, You'll never see that in a funeral. I do about 20 to 30 funerals a year sometimes. I've not seen one of these. No U-Haul behind a hearse. Why? Because you can't take it with you. And sometimes we give ourselves and we get so bent out of shape over this. And the proper perspective is, hey, listen, we, uh, we know that this is for a season. We've brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. Another truth is this, is that we don't need a lot of it. Listen, it's fine to have a lot of it, but we don't strive for it. He says uh, in 1 Timothy 6, 8, it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know, we live in the richest country in the world. If you own a computer, you're in the richest people in the world. Carry around a computer in your pocket. Some of you connected to your watch. You have all these things, right? We're among the richest population of the world. We're going to go down to Ecuador. We're having a meeting after church for those that want to go. We're going to meet kids that have a bowl of rice and a little bit of chicken three times a day. What's for breakfast down there? Chicken and rice. What's for, di- what's for lunch? Well, we're going to have rice and then chicken. And what's for dinner? Well, we might find a sardine. And that's kind of how, how a lot of these kids will live that we're going to go see. And they're following Christ. And listen, the, the world will tell you, you know, there's a whole health and wealth gospel out there. That's a false gospel. God never told you if you follow him, you'll be rich. You'll be rich in many ways, but not necessarily in your bank account. So when I go around the world and I meet believers that are following Christ, they're some of the happiest people I know because they're following Christ. And, and they're happy with a bowl of rice. If we have food and clothing, these, then we, uh, these things we will be content with. The truth is that money is never enough. Money is never enough. Oh, look what here it says. People want to get rich, fall into temptation and a trap, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into, into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kind of evils. Money is not evil. Money is amoral. It is the love of money. It's the, i got to have this. If I don't have this, I'm not happy. That's where it is. And so he says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith 
and pierce themselves with many griefs. Many people have lost all kind of hope because, oh, you know, I didn't make it. I, I, I needed this. And so, so he says, listen, it's that love of money. And listen, when you, say, when you see love, you can equate a little bit of worship into there. Because as we give to God, it's, a, it's an act of love. It's an act of worship. And we've got to be careful that we're not worshiping my own desires. That I'm not worshiping money. That I'm not worshiping my wife. That I'm not worshiping my kids. I'm not worshiping my relationship. He says, I shall have no other gods before me. And I want all those things to be successful. So therefore, I put God at the top of all of them. And that's what he tells us to do with our finances. Many people will say that money gives you power. And there's a degree of power, right? But let me just share this with you here. 1923, there was a group of men that got together up at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. They were a group of nine financiers and power brokers. In that group was the president of America's largest steel company at the time, the president of America's largest utility company, the president of America's largest gas company, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, the president of the Bank of International Settlements, the nation's greatest wheat speculator, the nation's greatest bear and speculator on Wall Street, the head of the world's greatest monopoly, and a member of President Harding's cabinet. It was said that they gathered there together to celebrate their success and plan their future. How did things turn out for these guys? Well, 25 years. Within 25 years, listen to what happened to these men. The president of the largest steel company, Charles M. Schwab, died a bankrupt man. The president of the largest utility company, Samuel Insull, died penniless. The president of the largest gas company, Howard Hobson, suffered a mental breakdown, ended up in an insane asylum. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, Richard Whitney, had just been released from prison. The bank president, Leon Frazier, had taken his own life. The wheat speculator, Arthur Cotton, died penniless. The head of the world's greatest monopoly, Ivan Kruger, the match king, also had taken his life. The member of President Harding's cabinet, Albert Fall, had just been given a pardon from prison so that he could die at home. Loving money actually makes you powerless. You see, the love of money is the root of all evil. doesn't mean that we don't have aspirations. doesn't mean we don't go work hard. It doesn't mean that success is not to be desired. It means that we don't serve. We let God serve us. And as God serves us, it changes everything. Many people will think that money gives me security, and money does not make me secure. Money, at, Loving money will actually make me insecure. Proverbs 23, 4. Don't wear yourself out trying to be rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. For in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. For it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. In the blink of an eye. You worked your life so hard for it. It's gone. Like this is, this is like, wow. When, when you start to understand this, like put wealth in its proper perspective. Don't wear yourself out. Many people are wearing themselves out thinking, if I just make it a little more comfortable, then I'll be secure. Folks, you will never be secure with the love of money. You will never be secure with money. 
Oh, it's fun. I like to have money. You know, I think everybody does. I want money. Lots and lots of money. You know, that's my era of music there. You kids need to get caught up with some cool stuff nowadays, right? I'm going to get the kids my albums, my 78s. Anyhow, listen, love of money will wear you out, and it creates people to go to all kind of evil. It's not money. Money is cool. It's great if you have it. Use it wisely for his kingdom's sake. But it is not money is the problem. It's the heart is the problem. You know, when Jesus was teaching on money, he taught on money many, money, money many times over in uh, Matthew 19. And I don't have this verse on the screen, but I'm just going to paraphrase and come down and read you the final verse of the passage. He has taken, uh, he has taken the, a man comes to him and says, hey, listen, what must I do in order to inherit the kingdom of God? What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus knows that this man is, uh, is kind of playing a game. So he says, keep all the law. And by the way, the law was given so that you can know that you can't keep the law. And so he says, just keep the law. And he asks him, well, what law should I keep? And he goes through and he names, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt love the Lord your God. He makes a number of them. And, uh, and the guy says, well, I've done all that. And the guy doesn't even realize that Jesus had taught, if you've looked on a woman to lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you're holding a grudge, if you're holding anger on somebody, you're unforgiving, you are committing murder in your heart. So the man says, I've done all that. And well, Jesus replies to him and says, well, if you want to be perfect, then go sell all your possessions and give the money to, to the poor, and then you will have your treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away very sad, for he had many possessions. And you see, this is where the heart comes in. Like, okay, Lord, I want to follow you, but I want to follow you, but. So this is why God's called us to honor God first. Honor him first. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Folks, I want to encourage you to honor the Lord with the first. If you wait till you can afford it, you will never afford it. You hear that? If you wait till you can afford it, you will never afford it. God didn't say wait till you're out of debt. He didn't say go clear out and make yourself secure. He said trust me and with the first, because God didn't give you last week's check. He gave you another check this week. And when you take that check and you say, God, it's, it's like eating a, a pie. You know, if, if you come, if I, you know, my family loves, well, I love food, right? So I come home. Save me a piece. And unless they cut a piece out for dad and put it on the tray and put it in the refrigerator, and there ain't nothing left over. Whether it's a pizza or a cherry pie, maybe broccoli, there's always plenty of that left over. All right? But listen, take that first fruits and set it aside. Give it unto the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Look, wealth is not bad. Money's not bad. God says, go, work hard, and you will be blessed. But how the Lord, how do we respond? He says, give him the first fruits, not the last fruits, not what's left over. I have always said I would rather pay God, my debt to God, than to pay my debt to the cable bill. You can always cut out cable. You can always go sit at Starbucks all day and do your work, right? 
You just wouldn't be able to afford to drink the coffee all day. That's all. Uh, then your barns. He says, if you do this, then. Now, this is an F then. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will be bursting with wine. This is what God, this is what he does. So God, in the Old Testament, he says, put me to the test. And I want to encourage you, put God to the test on this. Because the children of Israel, they had walked away from the Lord. And they said, well, how did we walk away from you? And God hits them with another question. He says, how did, we, how did you walk away from me? How about this? How did you rob me? And he uses this language in, in Malachi. It's uh, over in Malachi chapter 3. I call it Malachi, the Italian prophet, okay? Malachi chapter 3. He says, uh, he, he, says he goes through this. He says, how did, how, how did you rob God? And God responds, by not giving your tithes and your offerings to the Lord. And so what was happening was the, the land was going through drought. The land was going through downtime because God said, I've got to turn the water off to get their attention. I've I got to get them back. They've got to see that they can't produce without me. And so he says, bring the whole tithe in. In that context, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, and look what he says, test me in this says the Lord God Almighty. Test me. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Test me. Like, there's not too many times. Actually, I don't. I think this may be the only time in the Bible he says, prove me, test me, try me. I want to encourage you. Like, this command was given directly to the children of Israel. So today, we have grace giving. We're not under a law, but I believe that the, the principle is still the same. We give to the Lord, and God meets our needs. God provides for us. Um, I was talking with one man in our church. He was sharing with me this morning. He said, you know, we're looking at the habits acrostic, H-B-I-T. And he goes, we couldn't figure out what T was going to be. He said, but I'm glad you're talking about it because that's what changed my life. He said, years ago, I thought I wouldn't do that. And it seemed like I had no money. And like, uh, and the word he used was hemorrhage of money was going on in my life. Money was hemorrhaging. It was gone everywhere. So I came back and started tithing to the Lord. When I started to tithe to the Lord, God began to stabilize all of that. And the hemorrhage is over, and I have peace in my finances. God first. Not God leftover. God first. So... Test me in this. this. This principle is not in the New Testament of a rule. It's not a law. As a matter of fact, I like what Randy Alcorn says. He says that tithing is the training wheels of giving. Because we should be giving far more than the Old Testament. God's given us the grace. We have the cross. We have the, the death, burial, and resurrected Lord. And we have eternal life. Amen? So he says we ought to be doing even more. And look what he says here, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. He says, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and your love that, that we have kindled in you, just as you excel in all the other spiritual habits, see that you excel in the grace of giving. Just as you learned how to hang out in the presence of God and you learned how to memorize the Bible and you learned how to treat your neighbor right and you learned how to have all these things happen, he says, see that you also excel. Like, 
not just meet a minimum standard, excel. See that you continue to grow in this area. I'll be married 30 years this summer. 30 years ago. Yes, thank you. Thank you. 30 years ago when I got married, my wife and I, we sat down and we started to, started to look at our finances, right? Because you move in together, all that fun stuff happens, right? So we got married. She's now moving into my life, into my house, and into my bank account. And she took it over. I don't even have a bank account. My name's on it. She got it. She's much better at finances than I am. But we said there's one thing we will not neglect. One thing financially is giving God the 10%. We get our tithing statement back at the end of the year. You know, sent them out for you, for you to do for your taxes. We opened it up. And my wife goes, can you imagine what we could have done with that? And I said, don't you dare. Because if you start that can of worms here, it's easy for me to say I could have paid this bill. She's driving a really old car right now. We could, man, I got a daughter getting married Saturday, if you didn't know that. Yeah, thanks be to God, yeah. Woohoo! Now I got two son-in-laws I got to buy gifts for at Christmas. Listen, there's all kind of things that I need money for. I'm dealing with crazy stuff, you know? You know, in the next five to ten years, there's going to be grandkids everywhere. But listen, yeah, can you imagine me as a grandpa? I can't imagine that. I know, I look so young. But listen, let me tell you, let me tell you what happens. You look at that, you say, what I could have done. God says, am I in charge or are you in charge? And so even as a pastor, I look at it and say, what we could have done. And God says, remember, Tim, you know you had faith. These three health things that you dealt with this year. Do you remember that I was there for you? Do you remember that? God gave you two son-in-laws that loved him. Do you remember that? I made the sun come up every day. Do you remember that? God wants to be first. So people ask me, how much should I give? And I tell them, that's between you and God. I personally tithe, and that's the training wheels of giving. And my wife and I were growing in giving, particularly in the restaurant. You go out there, and we give, we give, you know, like Saturday, I took her to breakfast. And she didn't buck me on that thing. She didn't buck me on it. I just put that money down. She goes, okay, let's go. Okay. But she didn't buck me on it. She didn't buck me on it. Why? Because we're growing in the grace of giving. And there's nothing more exciting to be on the giving end, is there? Let's close in prayer. Wow. There's just so much. I could probably do a whole series on giving. This is just one week. But let me tell you, God loves you. And he start by giving to you. And so if you've not yet trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to ask you to start by receiving his gift of eternal life. That's where it starts. If you've not yet trusted Christ, just forget everything I said about money. You don't need to worry about money. The church is not looking for your money. That's not what we're about. God's looking for you. 
Just like the young man who said, man, I wasn't looking for anything but Jesus, and I found him. So today I want to invite you to Christ, to receive his gift of eternal life. And just call upon the Lord and pray something like this. Dear God, I come before you, and I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, you died on the cross, you paid for my sin, and you rose again. And I invite you into my life. I trust you with my heart and soul. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me eternity with you. And for all of us, maybe we have to deal with this struggle of defining. The struggle of, is God really number one? Or do I just say that? And as we do, listen, your life will exponentially grow. You want to see God do work in other areas? Start with giving and watch what, because you can do that. Like you can, you can, you only, you know what God's given you. And you, as you give back to him, you know that you can do that and start there. And watch the miracles begin to happen in relationships. Watch the miracles begin to happen all over your life. Because you did the principle from God. You excelled also in the grace of God. Father God, I pray you'll be with each one of us. Help us, Lord, as we, we all struggle with this. We're humans. God, we're, we're feeble. We're like the children of Israel. You'd provide and then would wonder if you're going to provide again tomorrow. So, Lord, we know you provided today. And as we give that top 10% to you, we, we know that you're providing. And this is about me and you, Lord. I pray you'll continue to move each one of us. Grow us in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song unto the Lord.
one more. Come. 